Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we are talking all about the traps in financing share acquisitions. And in order to talk about this topic, we have on board our very own Robert Pacella from Aspect Legal. In this episode, Rob and I talk about the provisions of the Corporations Act that are perhaps forgotten by buyers when they're looking to use finance in share acquisitions. We talk about the mistakes that are often made, the traps, and how you can go about making the most out of exemptions that are available and some warnings when you're looking at using these exemptions to make sure they're actually working. All of this and more, so buckle in. Here we go with Rob. Rob, thanks so much for joining me on the Deal Room podcast today. My pleasure, Joe. Right. Okay. So let's get stuck into it. Today, we're talking about the traps in financing share purchases. Yep. And so let's kick it off by just overview. What are the general traps that we see when people are looking at financing share purchases? Stuff that, and I guess here we're talking about today, stuff that isn't necessarily readily obvious. So this subject comes out of a section of the Corporation Act which deals with financial assistance. So it's not just narrowly related to share purchasing and when uh, someone's financing share purchases, maybe with bank loans or mortgages over the shares. It's actually wider than that. It, It deals with any situation where financial assistance is involved with shares. So I'll give you two examples. There's the classic example where there's a maybe a leveraged buyout or there's a, a purchase of shares, which is using bank finance, and that is certainly financial assistance. There's money being brought in, and quite often the bank will need security over the shares in the company which it's buying. That means that the, the company itself has to offer security over the shares, and that might disentitle the existing shareholders to the security that they would have had but for the finance coming in on those shares. So that's mm. the classic example where you would hear the, the term whitewashing, for example. Mm. Mm. There's a process that you need to do with whitewashing. We can come back to that and talk about that in a moment. But there's other potential problems with financial assistance, which don't come around from share purchases, but might just come around simply from how the company is operating. For example, there was a, a really interesting Interesting as a subjective word, obviously. But there was a really <laughs> interesting. We des- like cases. We think they're interesting. <laughs> we do. We do. There was a really interesting decision made by the high courts, and this one was nothing to do with financial assistance from a bank buying shares. This one was where you had a group of shareholders, and the company, in its constitution, had a requirement that any shareholder that was exiting had to give the remaining shareholders the right to purchase those shares before that exiting shareholder could offer them to the rest of the world to a third party, preemptive right. So we had a situation where the exiting shareholder decided he didn't want to honour that preemptive right and wanted to sell to a third party. The rest of the shareholders decided that wasn't on and the company itself then funded the, the legal process to prohibit that shareholder from selling his shares to the open market. 
And the exiting shareholder relied on the Corporations Act and said that was that the company funding the legal challenge, that was offering financial assistance to the shareholders over his shares. Mm. And that should have been protect under this particular part of the Corporations Act, and he won. And so let's be clear, that then meant that the company and and the directors who were acting for the company were in breach of the Corporations Act then. Absolutely. You know, that's a really serious outcome. Yeah. And what was the what was the outcome in this particular case as a result of that? Well, the outcome was that the, the... the directors themselves were open to sanctions. So that, that's mm-hmm. a, that's something which is criminal sanctions apply to financial assistance where you're not allowed to provide said assistance. So it opened up the directors to criminal sanctions. It also obviously freed up that shareholder mm-hmm. then to go off and do what he wanted to. Now, the, share, the, the company itself could have taken a civil action potentially to do this on the side of this. But the point was that the High Court stepped back and looked at this and took the idea of financial assistance very broadly. So it wasn't just about a bank coming in, offering money in return for uh, security over shares in the company. It was really an operational decision that the company made to provide money to what I think they thought at the time was a fair and reasonable purpose, which is to protect the rights mm. of their constitution. But as it turned out, that's financial assistance. And and to make it really clear, you know, because rights of preemption are, are you know extraordinarily common, um, mm. really common in shareholders' agreements, uh, quite often constitutions of organisations. And so, in this case, the company was silly, merely seeking to enforce the preemptive right where a shareholder had sought to act in breach of that obligation of theirs. Absolutely. And, yep. But it was just the mere fact that the company paid the legal fees that yep. meant that it was then in breach of the Corporations Act because it was providing financial assistance in relation to effectively the shares within its own entity. And yep. let's move one step back and, and go back to the Corporations Act provisions that we're talking about here. Maybe can you remind the listeners, uh, actually, who will care what sections of the Corporations Act it is, but how about we tell them anyway? I can hear hear you as a listener. I really don't care what provision it is. We're lawyers. Let us just tell you what provisions this is of the Corps Act. Well, it's it's part 2J3, which is section 260A and onwards, and there's quite a few provisions that actually deal with it. But 2J3, 260A, part one, talks about the three types of things that you can do to allow yourself to work around this uh, restriction against financial assistance. Yeah, and so firstly, the Corpse Act says a company is restricted in relation to providing financial assistance in relation to its own shares. So that's the fundamental principle. And I think when you say that, it perhaps sounds simple on the surface, but it's super easy to fall foul of these provisions. As we just heard in this high court case, you know, just the mere payment by the company of the legal bills that related to enforcing the rights of the company against a shareholder that didn't comply with the preemptive right provisions under the constitution. Yep. yep saw it fall foul of these provisions. And so that's one example. And then in the M&A space that we work, I guess, and there's many examples, but perhaps another common example is where a buyer is financing the purchase of the transaction of the acquisition of shares in a company and they give the lending facility or the lender a security over the company as a whole. 
That's right. For example, in the old fixed and floating charge or, or the new yeah. General Security Act wording. Exactly. So the, the key to it, what it turns on, it's a, a prohibition when you're dealing with the acquisition of shares. So mm. in the first instance with that case, although it was the company just paying for legal support and so forth, the, the whole matter was turning on who was acquiring the share. Mm. Was it the, the preemptive rights holders or was it the third party? But the fact of the matter was, it was about someone acquiring shares. So that was... What that was about. On the classic case, which is whitewashing, which is what you were just talking about then, a lender coming in and funding someone who is acquiring shares. And as a consequence of that, a lender wants to protect itself and it wants to take security over the shares or over the company, like the old fixed and floating charges and so forth, or debentures. And that is, again, obviously acquiring shares. So it's really a general prohibition as soon as you're talking about acquiring shares, however that might happen, where there is some type of financial assistance being provided by the company or by a lender or, or really anything that would impact the potential rights of the other shareholders in that business. That's the prohibition. And, and so I think the warning is here, if you are a buyer of shares in a company or you are assisting, you know, in a professional capacity in an acquisition. So say, for example, you're an accountant or a broker or corporate advisor who's assisting a buyer in a share acquisition. You just need to be aware of the risks where there's finance involved, which quite often there is, you know, in very large proportion of cases, there's finance involved and make sure you've got the right legal advice to understand whether or not you're at risk of falling foul of these corporation at provisions because they're really serious. They are. They impact and they target the directors of the business of the company, which is providing the guarantees for the bank, if so, if it's a target company and they're looking to get an investor in and they're selling some shares mm. to that investor and the investor is funding that, then the director, directors of the target company potentially face sanctions under the Corporations Act if they allow financial assistance and it's not under these uh, exemptions in the Corporations Act. I'm glad you mentioned the exemptions, Rob. How about you take us uh, very briefly through just headline what the sort of exemptions are that we can think about because, you know, we don't want you, our listening audience, to have now the fear of God um, through you being <laughs> concerned that you're no longer able <laughs> to finance uh, acquisitions. That's not the case. It's just that you need to be wary um, where acquisitions of shares are being financed and understand whether any of these issues are triggered. And if they are, understand which exemptions to apply. So let's just give, you know, a, a headline intro into what some what these exemptions look like. Sure. There are three. First exemption is where you can demonstrate that the, the assistance given doesn't materially prejudice the interests of the other shareholders. Now, that's more of a subjective thing. That's to do with the balance of whether you can reasonably show that there was no issues that were generated for other shareholders. That's not usually used very often. There's a general exemption under 260, Section 260C of the Corporations Act, which is a, rel a relatively technical exemption, which I'll skip over. But the one which mostly is focused on is Section 260A1B, which is where the assistance is approved by the shareholders of the company. So in other words, all the shareholders of the company get together and they agree at a general meeting or via a circuit resolution that that giving of financial assistance is okay by them and they consent to that. And that is the essence of the whitewash process. All parties agree 
but it's fine by them. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's a, there's a process involved in that, yes. but that's the most used. And I wanted to point to that as well because, in essence, the conceptually it's simple. In process, there's quite a bit to do. <laughs> Isn't there? There, you know, there is. Yeah, absolutely. And a really, you know, there's important timing requirements, there's lodgement requirements, there's meeting requirements, and all of this needs to be done in the right order and in the right time because failing to meet some of the timing requirements can be massively problematic in this area. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you fail to meet the timing requirements, then the entire process that you've started out doing and performing can simply evaporate. It can just be held to be invalid because unless you meet these, these are statutory timing requirements, unless you meet them and you're strict about that, the, the entire process can be voided. And if it's a whitewash process, for example, where you're getting all the shareholders to agree that this giving of financial assistance is okay, and you miss the timing requirement by even one day, it's void. You can't rely on that. Yeah, that's such an important point. I just want to emphasise that you miss the timing by one day, it's void, you can't rely on it. So this is Absolutely. when we say, you know, the process is critical, we mean it. <laughs> We're mm. not kidding. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is more complicated than just standard resolutions because not only are there statutory timing requirements and there are things you have to hit, there is information you have to actually give to your shareholders and all sorts of documentation, but in the middle of all this, to prove that you've hit these timing requirements, you need to be filing documents with ASIC, waiting until ASIC actually acknowledge or until you can deem that they've acknowledged before you can take the next step. So these timing requirements are not only things that are in your hands, but you've also got to take into account that you must hit certain timing requirements and then you have to deal with ASIC. And only after that, you can move to the next step. And there are several steps where you need to involve ASIC. So it is a, quite a complex process. Mm. Okay, great. All right. Well, I think we've given a really good summary. And let's maybe wrap around the, the two main arms of these provisions in the Courts Act again, Rob. So the key to it is that this is a general focus on any time where financial assistance turns on acquiring shares in a company. And whether that is acquiring shares preemptively based on an exiting shareholder, if, if for example, the company is trying to enforce one shareholder's rights, and it's paying for legal bills, as in that high court case, that's enough. Because as long as the company is providing some financial assistance, whatever that might be, that actually aids one shareholder over another, that's financial assistance. Uh, and the other, the other arm of it is when you are acquiring shares in a company and potentially there's a lender involved, and that lender wants security, and the company needs to give security, that's financial assistance. Mm. Brilliant. Okay, excellent summary, Rob. Thank you so much for being on the Deal Room podcast today. It's been a pleasure having you here. My pleasure, Joe. That's it for this episode of the Deal Room podcast. Obviously, where we have been talking about the traps in financing share purchases. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, just head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. There you'll also find details of how to contact Rob and any other of our legal eagles at Aspect Legal. 
if you would like assistance with your organization or with any of your clients, if they're looking, if you or they are looking at the acquisition of shares and are looking at financing the transaction and want to make sure that you're keeping out of trouble. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please pop over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. And after, of course, hitting subscribe, please also consider leaving us a review. We would be ever so grateful. Well, that's it for today. Thank you again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Oh, oh, oh.